Hello, everybody. This is Nikki from Motherhood Unfiltered. It's going to be okay. And today's guest is Allison Lieberman, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a postpartum anxiety expert, mom of two, and two-time postpartum anxiety survivor. She's also the co-founder of Rooted in Harmony Counseling, which is a California-based group therapy practice dedicated to helping moms with anxiety, relationship, and parenting. And she is the host of the New Mama Mentor podcast and creator of the New Mama Mentor Signature Program. She's definitely passionate about helping new moms overcome anxiety by developing confidence, shedding the mom guilt, and building a community. I'm so excited to get to talk to her today about postpartum and anxiety and depression. When I was having my kids, which was like 26 something something years ago, we didn't talk about that. And uh, it wasn't something that me personally, I think every mother goes through it. But back then, I don't know what the deal was, but not everybody had it. But anyway, before we bring her on, I just would like to remind everybody to, if you're listening on the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or share it with someone because you know sharing is caring (laughs) and I care a lot. So anyway, without further ado, let's bring Allison on. Hi, Hi, Allison. (laughs) Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, when I was reading off all the things that you've done, to me, the one that sticks out the most is mom of two, because that job never ends. My boys are growing up now and, you know, I still am their mom. You know, it just never goes away. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and what was pivotal in you wanting to reach out to help other moms deal with postpartum depression and anxiety. So I am a marriage and family therapist, and I've been a therapist since 2014. I got licensed in 2017, Mm -hmm. and I had my son in 2018. And after I had him, you know, in hindsight, I obviously realized I was struggling with postpartum anxiety. But at the time, I was very perplexed about what Mm -hmm. was going on with me. I could tell that I was struggling, but I didn't know why. And none of the things I used to be able to do to help with my anxiety were working. Nobody that I talked to, one, asked me if I was struggling in that way. But also, nobody knew when I would communicate it what was going on. They were like, oh, yeah, like anxiety. That's fine. Yeah. Or whatever. Here's some. Yeah, that happens. (laughs) I was sort of venturing into trying to understand what I wanted to do with my career a little bit more. And I, I sort of found this whole network of perinatal mental health professionals through mm-hmm. Postpartum Support International and started doing a lot of research and realizing like, oh my gosh, like I have postpartum anxiety and it's yeah. never gone away. And then during this time too, I was pregnant again with my daughter. And so I, I sort of dove into mm-hmm. learning more about it. And then 
I had my daughter the first week of the pandemic. So gosh, (laughs) I had postpartum anxiety again after having her. And I don't think it ever went away because I didn't do anything about it with my son because I didn't know. So the first year of my daughter's life was really difficult for a lot of reasons, pandemic being one of them. But Mm -hmm. managing two kids when you're already so anxious is so hard. And, you know, I was running my own business and we were under lockdown and we had to decide. It felt like every decision for our kids was life and death. So that's sort of where everything started. And it's... (laughs) Well, I needed you 26 years ago because every decision I felt like I made was a life and death situation. We weren't even in a pandemic then. And yeah. really, everybody, you know, if you've not had to take care of toddlers and infants, I mean, it's a hard job, you know, and it's physical and it can be mental, you know, because maybe you don't know if they're why they're crying or what's upsetting them or whatever, let alone still having to deal with this major event that happened where you gave birth, whether it was naturally or surgically, that is a big thing. I mean, like now today, when you have a surgery, you're off work for six weeks. Yeah. But when you have a baby, you got to take care of that baby. You know, you don't get to wait six weeks before you take care, you know, yeah, you're (laughs) ill. So, I mean, we've all heard about the baby blues. Is there anything new that's out there since these baby blues? I mean, yeah, the people will say, you, oh, you've just got the baby blues. But, you know, you could be really hurting inside, you know, and I don't want people just to take that lightly, right? Yeah, yeah. So we distinguish between baby blues, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety because they are very different and there's a lot of similarities, right? So. In terms of baby blues versus a postpartum mental health disorder, we're just looking at a timeline, really. Baby blues are the first two to three weeks after you have a baby. And they're typically your body's reaction, not only to lack of sleep, but the adjustment and also your hormones. From the moment you find out you're pregnant, your body is producing more and more and more and more hormones to get ready for childbirth, right? Mm -hmm. So you're sort of over 10 months developing this hormonal increase. Once you have the baby, it's about three days that those take to drop all the way back down. So that's pretty drastic when you think about it. Like, no wonder why we're a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) So, you know, when you think of it that way, you know, baby blues make sense. Like everybody adjusting and it's a really tough time. And when I think back to Two to three weeks after I had both my kids, it was like a blur. I don't remember anything, right? (laughs) Yeah. But when you're talking about postpartum depression and anxiety, theoretically speaking, we're talking about the first year postpartum. That's sort of like the quote unquote time frame is one year after you have a baby is postpartum. Gotcha. Yeah. What we see is that like postpartum depression and anxiety can definitely extend beyond a year. I don't think it's Mm -hmm. really fair to say one year exactly yeah cured and it can happen for a lot of reasons so one of the things I focus on a lot in my coaching and in therapy is you know the expectations that we set for ourselves as moms Mm -hmm. before we become moms is 
<laughs> huge contributor to our internal narrative, right? Yes, like, hey. <laughs> if you're like, I'm never going to yell at my kids. My parents yelled at me and I refuse to yell at my kids. I will never do that. And you yell at your kids. You're a failure yeah. automatically, right? Like you have set yourself up for failure and you are going to ruminate on that all night long. You know, and and we naturally do that. It's not necessarily like, okay, stop setting expectations, but Mm -hmm. it's being able to identify like, okay, that expectation maybe wasn't a realistic one that I set for myself. And I adjust to this change. And that adjustment is typically why we see people in therapy Mm -hmm. or needing more help. So yeah, that's sort of like the big differences between those two things. There's, of course, different symptoms for different things, but, you know, baby blue right. postpartum depression overlap in their symptoms. Yeah. It's just more around the duration and connection element. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes it more clear in my head because, you know, I don't want 10 years later to be like, oh, I'm crying because I have baby blues, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> you know, my kids are in school. So, so that just reminds me of something expectations. So, you know, I had expectations, uh, of course, before my boys were born, well, especially the first one. And then their dad had expectations that he wanted me to live up to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I found that kind of extremely hard to follow, you know, and um, it got to the point where it just wasn't working out what he expected me to be doing because I thought when we had the discussion on what we wanted for our kids that he would be an equal (laughs) (laughs) but you know because I'm the the mom and I know everything then I was the one that was doing everything with the kids so I think that's important too to point out that you know, you can't put expectations on the mother of the baby. Yeah. It just limits them. Totally. And it's hard because we all have expectations of everything and everywhere right. and everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's more just acknowledging that those expectations are there and monitoring them, right? Like, yeah, one of the biggest issues of couples, and we see a lot of couples postpartum, is that, you know, they come from different backgrounds, parenting yeah. and relationship-wise, right? And mm-hmm. my husband and I are very similar to that, where his parents are still married. And yeah. mom stayed home and took care of them and did all the transporting and all the right. And my father-in-law didn't. He was working full-time. And so that's yeah. kind of the the vision that my husband had of parenting. And mm-hmm. verbally, we talk about this a lot, our ideal versus our authentic self. So like what we yeah. want to think we are and what we actually are are <laughs> always different, right? His ideal self is the 50-50, like we are equal partners in everything, Right. But his true self is not ever seeing that the male in his life is taking initiative and doing these things because he's working. Right, right. Is that I'm also working and I'm I'm caretaker for our kids. And so there has to be a balance. And so Mm -hmm. that's been a lot of navigating over the last four years is 
figuring out like his expectations of me might be higher than he even realizes. And my expectations of myself are higher because I came (laughs) from divorced parents who both knew how to do everything and were responsible for everything in my life. (laughs) So, you know, I had a much more 50-50 upbringing. And so that's my expectation of him, which at times is unfair because he doesn't know some of that stuff. Right. I think recognizing that and then just having the regular conversations around that. I mean, you can't fault someone for not knowing how to do something. But if they're willing to learn, then yeah, let's let me show you how I've been doing it. And then you can just as whatever. You know, in today's world, more and more parents, both of them are working, mm-hmm. you know, and it just it takes Sometimes it takes the whole tribe to pitch in the help, you know, and I feel like there's some in some cultures where the whole family pitches in. They live with the grandparents, live with them, you know, or say aunties or what, whatever. And it's not just the mom and dad and the kids, you know, it's like the whole entire immediate family is with you and everybody pitches in the help. Yeah. And I just feel like it would be beneficial, you know, if for especially young mothers who are coming home with a baby, they get that extra support. Yeah. And I think, too, with COVID, it really threw a wrench in things. We sort of at the beginning were like, we have to have our parents help. Like, that's going to be our bubble. Like, we cannot survive yeah. without it. And so that was sort of the decision that we made. And I don't know how we would have done it without them. I don't know how most of the parents did it because the kids had to stay home and the parents still have to work. I'm like, yeah, what are these people? You know, there are some people who were able to stay home, you know, because they could, you know, work remote, but not everybody was able to do that. And they're just like, okay, you know, we're still under quarantine. I just felt so bad just thinking about that. Yeah. You know, the struggles that young families had to go through to deal with that. Well, even like two months ago, we all got COVID. My whole household got COVID. And, you know, we went in under lockdown and my husband and I both are self-employed. So like we don't have to work for the two and a half weeks that we can't go anywhere and our kids can't go anywhere. But, you know, so it's like, I'll take an hour, you take an hour, and we're going to alternate clients. And, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to to navigate and manage. And if you have a hard time communicating what it is you need and when you need it, it's going to be really hard to do those things. Right. And we did not do it seamlessly by any means. There was lots of... Of course not. I mean, (laughs) we're human beings, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what with someone who doesn't have you know, maybe a young mother or something who doesn't have someone to help out with that. I mean, what can they do to navigate those feelings of anxiety? Because that I would could imagine be more anxiety if you didn't have someone to help you. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you 
so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, it's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I've had those days where like I'm home and I'm trying to multitask and work with one of my kids home with me and like... I'm immediately not the nicest version of myself and I'm not paying as much attention to my work as I should be. And there's times where I have to stop myself and think like, nobody's getting the best version of me right now. So like, how do I separate my time so that I can give my attention to my kids and also work and give my attention there? And so it's sort of resetting the expectations around that too, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can't do all of it at the same time. You right. turn on so many movies to entertain your kids before they're bored. <laughs> and I'm like, I am pro TV. Like, I know that <laughs> a survival thing. So, like, I am a TV user. I like all the above, right? But at one point, they're going to need a different type of stimulation that might require your attention. And so it's yeah. being able to acknowledge, like, all right, like, I got done what I got done. And now I mm-hmm. need to engage. And if I engage for 30 minutes, maybe they'll have another activity that they can do independently <laughs> and I can go back to working or whatever, right? Right, right. <laughs> so it's sort of being able to take that step back, which is really hard. Like it takes yeah. time and practice to do that. But other people's expectations don't have to be your expectations. So if mm-hmm. your boss is expecting you to, quote unquote, work from home and be working the whole time, well, they're not there. So they don't really know how feasible that is. <laughs> yeah. I need to take a break. Mister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, not only for the, you know, the kids, but for yourself, because sometimes we, without even realizing, we'll get all these pokers in the fire. And before you know it, they're all red hot. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my goodness, which one do I pick up? You know? Yeah. So, uh, I, that's good advice to, you know, just take that moment and reset and reevaluate your situation. And like, I mean, I do this at work. I, I prioritize when I feel like I'm starting to get overwhelmed. And I, I guess you could do that too. prioritize. OK, the baby's screaming. Let me take care of the baby. And then if you're working from home, then you can definitely tell them I'll be right back. You know, it's challenging too. like when you feel like you're burning the candle at both ends and you're not performing as a parent and you're not performing as an employee or right for a friend or whatever. Right. So accepting that, like, we've agreed to be parents in whatever capacity we have. And that's truly what our main job is and everything else is on top of that. And so how do we honor that while also not losing ourselves? Right. Those are good thoughts. What about these intrusive thoughts? I mean, I have intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We all have intrusive thoughts, right? Like, yeah, that's just a part of life. And 
you know, sometimes my friends and I will laugh about like, oh, yeah, I've had that thought before. (laughs) (laughs) And intrusive thoughts can be really scary, especially if you don't know what they are or why they're happening. For me in particular, I had had intrusive thoughts, but not ones that meant anything to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, you know, while you're driving, like, what if that car hits me? But like, so for me, my intrusive thoughts became very much about my kids and what would happen to them and how would I react to what happened to them? And it was all consuming and terrifying because I knew I didn't want anything to happen to them, but I couldn't stop thinking about bad things happening. And yeah, it's really hard. And it's definitely still something that I'm navigating every day and trying to manage it. I will say like, Medication really helped. I definitely yeah. notice a correlation with my hormones and yes. my intrusive thoughts. And when they're more likely to come in and when they're not, this coming weekend, my kids are going to be staying with my in-laws and my in-laws are great. I trust them. But if I'm not with my kids, I'm automatically anxious, right? Because exactly. Yeah. Right. So I know that predictably my intrusive thoughts are probably going to come back, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's knowing that they're going to go away again and they're just thoughts and they're not confirmation. And even if something were to happen to my kids or to somebody else's kids that's similar to my intrusive thoughts, like, yeah, it doesn't mean that that is confirmation that what I'm thinking is true. Right. Other part of it is like how we manage intrusive thoughts when they're really distressing. And typically with new moms is we try to do something to make the thought go away, right? So for yeah. me, it was like, okay, I have this thought, something bad's going to happen to my kid. I'm going to go check on them. <laughs> and then I'm just going to do that over and over and over again, right? And I did not sleep the first time. I mean, I had, when I had my oldest, Oliver, I was so afraid because they were campaigning um, SIDS. You know, a lot of SIDS deaths were going on. And I swear, I would wake up every hour on the hour and go check because I, was having those intrusive thoughts. Yeah. And their dad was like, you need to stop. And I was waiting. <laughs> because when you're leaving the hospital and like, you know, I, I didn't give birth that long ago. So like, you know, I'm assuming this is still the case, but like there's three things they touch on. Number one is safe sleep to prevent SIDS. And they like really talk to you about that a lot. They send you home with a lot of paperwork and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What? (laughs) You know, (laughs) uh, postpartum depression. And they really hone in on like, if you want to harm yourself or your baby, you call 911 or whatever. Right. So that's the other one. And then the the last one is shaking the baby. So like if you get really frustrated and you feel like you want to shake the baby, just put the baby in a safe place and walk outside. And like, in theory, all of that is great. Those are all really things. But like, what else? What else am I supposed to How common is this? Like, is there anything else to this? Right. So like, I know I was scared that like, yeah, oh, like they're talking to me about shaking my baby. I've literally never had somebody that I know do that. But like, does that mean I'm going to do it? Because now they put that in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. And like, am I going to lose my crap? And do something I didn't mean to do, you know? Right, right. Or like, am I going to get depressed? I'm just going to wake up one day and I'm going to be like, oh, I want to kill myself or my baby. Like, that also didn't feel good. But like, there's nobody like saying like, 
okay, these are the things to look out for. Do you have questions on these things? Like, let's talk about them. Like, what's the concern? Do you have a history in any of this? Like, there's no information, really. It's just pamphlet after pamphlet after pamphlet, because that's what the hospital has to do. They're doing that, Allison. I mean, that's what they did with me when we came home. I came home with this little plastic bag full of pamphlets and things. And I'm like, first of all, you want me to read this, okay? And second of all, I'm freaking out because I'm worried about driving home with the kid in the car. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> they're not like here's safe car seat practices, like something that you can do, right? And they're definitely not like, or you might have postpartum depression. Here's a list of local therapists in the area that specialize in that. Like they don't do that, right? Oh. And so you're sort of like stuck in this, like, all right, well, I have a lot of information and nothing to do with it. Yeah. And then you're terrified that that's going to be you or that, like, you're not going to know what to do. And it's, there's just so one nine one one. Yeah. I think I might want to harm my baby. And the next thing you know, child services is coming yeah. in. And you're like, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I figure we need to get a handle on the mental health situation in our country. And it we just, you know, yeah, it just seems kind of backward not there at all but okay let's talk about this and then we'll wrap it up but boundaries so what kind of boundaries are we setting for ourselves because obviously I didn't set any boundaries for myself and um I about drove myself and my family insane (laughs) I mean I can't remember it clearly and I was just I just want to call a monster I guess and um actually that reminds me of something else so Going back to intrusive thought, anytime I had an intrusive thought, I would talk to my mother-in-law about it or talk to, you know, my mom or my grandma and they would be like, I'm taking care of them. Why are you worried? You know, and I'm like, I'm not trying to be offensive. This is just my concerns. And it would be like I was insulting them. How would someone react to that? I mean, I would I was just trying, you know, to voice my concerns and they're taking it as, you know, all out war. Yeah. So, you know, there's a level of vulnerability around some of this too, which is a really hard thing. But being able to tell somebody like, I know that you're taking care of my child and I'm really struggling and I need to hear you say that everything's going to be okay. That's a vulnerable thing to do, right? And like, you can understand on the other side of that, like, why are you letting me take your kid if you're not going to trust me? Right. Yeah. But that's the boundary stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's all connected. And we have to have boundaries with ourselves, with our partners, with our babies, with our families, with our friends. And Mm -hmm. especially in those first few months, it's really hard because you don't know what you need. You don't know what the baby needs and everybody's asking you what you need. And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so can I get the answers to your questions <laughs> yeah so you know with boundaries for yourself the boundaries that you need are like I know that I need to take time for myself even if it's only 10 minutes a day I have to do it and I need to make time for it and that's what's important and not using that time to clean bottles or pump or breastfeed yeah. whatever. It is straight right. for you. Right. You have to do that, right? With your partner, it's being able to kind of what we were already talking about. Is this mm-hmm. 
reestablish those expectations. Like, I'm not going to have the dishes done by the end of the day, if that's your expectation. You're mm-hmm. not going to. So if mm-hmm. you want them done, it's something that you need to do or you need to be more flexible. Right. right? Exactly. With your family, it knowing that they are always going to have opinions on you. <laughs> Without a doubt, they've done it better. Right. Like. That's totally fine. Sometimes people's opinions are helpful. You're like, yeah, I thought about that. Right. 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 <laughs> You're like, yeah, I already tried that. And that wasn't helpful. But thank you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or like, we don't do things like that anymore. Like that mm-hmm. was an outdated suggestion. Yeah. But you don't have to accept it and you don't have to reject it. You can just say, oh, thanks. And then let it go. Like people are just giving you advice because they don't know what else to say. That sounds very wise. Allison, you're wise beyond your years. <laughs> Love this episode of Motherhood Unfiltered. It's going to be okay podcast. Head over to Apple, Spotify, or Amazon podcast to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, Allison, I am so glad that you were able to get on and chat with me about this extremely important message um, without postpartum anxiety, setting boundaries, dealing with intrusive thoughts. How can the audience, if they want to reach out, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at the new mama mentor and the counseling practice is at rooted in harmony counseling. Our website is www.rihcounseling.com and the podcast is the new mama mentor podcast. Awesome. And so one last little tidbit. You got some advice for us before we hang it up? (laughs) Any advice whatsoever? Yeah, any advice. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I think in like, let's go drink some wine or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I guess my best piece of advice to anybody is like, take... 10 minutes to reset at any point in your day and ask yourself what it is that you need. Might be nothing. Might be a vacation. Might be a massage. (laughs) Might be watching reality TV, right? Like, it could be a a full plethora of things, but taking that time to check in with yourself can be all the different. I used to lock myself in the bathroom. (laughs) I take baths. I take baths twice a day. They bookend my day. And that is my time where I check in with myself and things like yeah. what else that I need. Right? That's all. That's because no one can hug me in there. So. Right. <laughs> well, Allison, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope that we can talk again in the future. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Nikki Asher Bowling, the host of Motherhood Unfiltered. It's going to be okay. I help moms move forward with confidence as they overcome hurdles of nurturing children with mental health struggles. 
I'm an advocate and coach for mamas who have a lot on their plate. If this is you, I promise it's going to be okay. Let's connect. You can reach out to my website, www.nikkiasherbowling.com. You can listen to my podcast on Anchor, or you can watch now watch the videos on YouTube at Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay.